1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: AstroLine. Sports Talk 790 AstroLine. Brought to you by pluckers Wing Bar. If you don't like their wings, they'll give you the bird. AstroLine. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag oh, no, AstroLine. Sports Talk 790 AstroLine starts now.
0: And welcome to AstroLine presented by Pluckers Wing Bar. So glad you could join us. Robert Ford joined by Steve Sparks. Good to... Good to see you, at least virtually, Steve, and, and and so glad we could we could get to do this show together because, I mean, we never really get to, to work together during the year.
3: I forgot what your voice sounded like, <laughs> except for in my sleep. You know, we saw each other at a holiday party uh, last week, so it's always great to catch up, and I know you've, you've been traveling a little bit uh, since the season ended. Uh, last time we saw each other before that holiday party, we were – Uh, on one of the vehicles in a parade that uh, we'll, we'll both never forget. I mean, 2 million fans supposedly, and I don't doubt the numbers, but 2 million people, you know, most of them were, were uh, proposals to Jeremy Pena. But aside from that, (laughs) man, I've never seen anything like that. And that was certainly something that uh, we'll cherish forever.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. And it was a little different than the one in 2017, which was also awesome. It felt like this one was a lot louder and, talking with a few people who went to both uh you know it, it, that that's definitely seemed to be the consensus but yeah just the energy you know you mentioned the signs obviously like you said a lot of them for for Jeremy Peña but i mean it i mean i i, I it, it's not unlike anything that i've ever experienced for sure
3: hey how about the way the the offseason started and i know you guys have spoken about Jose Abreu but what a what a get somebody who can just plug right in the middle of this lineup and clean it up. And this is one of the toughest hitters that we've seen in our last seven or eight years, certainly. And, and somebody to add to a very tough, stingy lineup for the Astros. They, they're going to love having him from what everybody says, too.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's a great guy. Just talking with people who know him from the White Sox, uh, just a, a really good presence. Um, and someone who has been a, a run producer pretty much since he got to the United States after defecting from Cuba. I'll never forget. So the Astros just missed out on signing Jose Abreu when he defected from Cuba. The White Sox beat him out, but not by a whole lot. But I remember when Jose Abreu defected, the first time I ever heard about him, Eduardo Perez was a coach for the Astros at the time. And and, and, and Eduardo Perez, you know, of Cuban descent, was very familiar with a lot of the guys who were defecting, particularly at that time. And I remember he said something to me about Jose Abreu, about him defecting. And he said, yeah, he's, he said something to me like, yeah, he's pretty good. And I said, I said something to him like, really, how, you know, how good do you think you can be? And I'll never forget this. Eduardo Perez said to me, it would be like taking Albert Pujols and plugging him into the middle of your lineup. That would be Jose Abreu. And I remember thinking, wow, that's that's saying something. And then he wins rookie of the year. Um, and I mean, that's, and, and, you know, and he's been, he's been a run producer. I mean, he's been that sort of impact bat pretty much from, from the beginning. So really looking forward to seeing him, uh, playing at minute Maid park and and getting a chance to play half his games in Houston
3: but I don't think the astros are done either you know it, I, I was it was great to see that Montero got signed back so the bullpen is it, fully back together which is awesome best bullpen in baseball last year but I, I still think there's going to be a couple of moves and whether or not they're big and splashy or not I'm not really sure but uh it certainly seems like they're putting their toe in, in the water on on a few different people from just what we see rumors just like all the fans out there, and a lot of them for me seem pretty exciting, especially when you consider maybe getting another left-handed bat in the lineup.
0: Certainly, and I think uh, you know that was something that was really glaring once Michael Brantley got hurt last year, right? Uh, not having more of that balance in the lineup, and and Brantley just fit so well in that two two spot, and then it was just Tucker and Alvarez, both very good, obviously, but uh, it certainly affected the lineup balance uh, without that left-handed bat. And, you know, it also sounds like, you know, the Astros may be looking for another catcher to compliment Martin Maldonado. There are reports that the Astros are interested in Wilson Contreras before he signed uh, as a free agent with St. Louis. Uh, So, yeah, it sounds like maybe a left-handed bat, uh, maybe another catcher. Uh, Those could be the things that the Astros are are looking at, but I agree with you about Montero and the bullpen. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think you can expect them to duplicate the amazing year they had last year, but I think they should still be pretty good.
3: One thing I'm interested to see now Verlander is gone and, and I'm assuming that Hunter Brown will go in the rotation. Are they going to stick with the six man rotation? Because I think that was one of the keys to them being so good and so healthy throughout the season,
0: not only the starters but the relievers, too. Oh, I agree. And I think it was a big key for Verlander winning the Cy Young. I think he only made four starts yeah. last season on on regular four days rest. I think it kept him healthier. I think it kept the entire rotation healthier. Uh, I, I am curious to see how that plays out. I, I wonder if it's also a situation, too, where maybe the Astros feel a little bit more comfortable with a five-man this year than they were would last year because, obviously, you don't have Verlander as a factor on the ball club anymore, but also – You know, these young guys, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, they've been through a full season now being in a rotation. So maybe they're in a better position to adjust to, to pitching every fourth day as opposed to every fifth day. But I mean, again, it's a nice problem to have, right. When these are the things that you're talking about, right. uh, You know, before the new year starts, Uh, I think whatever direction the Astros go, they'll be in pretty good shape. And I'm really excited to see what Hunter Brown can do with, with a greater opportunity at the big league level.
3: And last thing for me as far as is what to look for going into next year, I'm a little bit antsy about how they're going to handle some of these pitchers. And the Astros have a lot of pitchers that are going to pitch in the world baseball classic. And we know how those guys, you know, from adrenaline and pride and everything else, how they ramp up a lot earlier with the Astros playing so deep into the postseason year after year, they're not recovering as much as usual. I'm just wondering if that's going to play into maybe, some of these guys barely pitching in spring training at all. And then probably holding their hands maybe in the month of April too, just to kind of give them a, a chance to get a breather at even after the WBC.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, it affects the world baseball classic affects everybody, but I think it affects the pitchers more. I mean, obviously Jose Altuve is going to be playing for Venezuela, Kyle Tucker part of team USA among others. Martin Maldonado is going to be playing for Puerto Rico, but yeah, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, participating in the world baseball classic. Yeah. That is going to be curious how that, how that, how that is handled. Um, I mean, I know that teams are going to, you know, you, you're going to have situations where teams are going to tell the big league clubs are going to tell, you know, Venezuela or Dominican Republic, Hey, this is how we want our pitchers handled. I do like the fact that Omar Lopez is going to be managing Venezuela. So I think that that'll help in terms of workload for specifically Jose Altuve and Luis Garcia Uh, in situations like that. So, um, you know, I do like that, that, that factor as well. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely something, and it's not something we've had to deal with for a few years now between the pandemic and the lockout, the world baseball classic. I'm also excited to see, you know, Jose Altuve and guys like that get a chance to play for their country.
3: Of course, you know, it's a great tournament. Just the time of the year, you wonder a little bit, especially with a team like the Astros that played so many postseason games less time to recover. We'll see. Uh, and you can tell a guy to take it easy, but it's really hard to do.
0: It certainly is. It certainly is when you're you're playing with your, you got your country's name across your chest yep. and you're representing, you know, you're representing that flag. Well, coming up next, we're going to hear from a member of the world series champions infielder and outfielder, David Hensley joins us and uh, had a great conversation with David Hensley, Steve, and uh, really gave us some good insight into just kind of, you know, kind of his mindset and, and just kind of the things he went through uh, and what was, was, was quite a year for him in 2022.
3: I, th- I think a lot of the fans will be surprised to hear how he felt going into some of those postseason games with only a handful of bats of experience. Dusty Baker put a lot on his plate, but he had a feeling that he could handle it, and man, did he ever
0: certainly did and we're going to hear from David Hensley coming up in a little bit as Astroline presented by Plucker's Wing Bar continues.
4: Hit this holiday season out of the park and give the gift of your world champion Houston Astros head to astros.com slash gift guide to find all kinds of amazing offerings including World Series Champions gear like the players wear Astros Buddies Club memberships, World Champion Bricks, Ballpark Tours and much more spread the holiday cheer into the new year and make it special for the entire family with ticket packages to your world champion houston astros during the 2023 season head to astros.com
1: gift guide today spring training is back in the palm beaches this spring experience astros baseball plus the best beaches dining and entertainment after the game there's nothing better than astros spring ball in sunny florida for tickets and more visit astros.com spring to book your trip Plan your visit now to the spring training home of the Houston Astros. The Palm Beaches.
3: Spring training tickets are on sale right now. Enjoy the Palm Beaches and see your Astros in sunny Florida as they gear up for the 2023 season. Visit astros.com spring to learn more.
2: Very excited to announce Michael Brantley's back with us. 2023 will be year number five. So we're really excited about that. Mike, again, thanks for joining us. And...
5: I see uh, Chandler Roman, Mark Berman, you guys go first.
6: Hey, Michael. How are you, uh, how are you feeling?
5: I'm feeling great. Um, obviously, I've been you know, rehab and working hard all off season to get back. Uh, but overall, I'm doing phenomenal. Really happy where I am physically.
6: What are you doing baseball activity-wise right now? Are you able to hit and kind of ha- where do you feel like you'll be when spring training starts?
5: Yeah, I won't be able to hit yet to uh, mid-January sometime. I don't have a select date, but sometime in January I'll start swinging a bat and kind of have a little prog- progressive uh, hitting schedule throughout then, and we'll go from there.
4: Hey, Michael, happy holidays.
5: Happy holidays, sir.
4: Two questions, really. Michael, how important a day is this for you to be able to come back to the Astros? And secondly, how much does your relationship with Jim help the process? It
5: well, it's very important for me. Um, I can't thank this organization enough, the city enough for You know, how they embraced me, you know, four years ago, almost to the day. And then, obviously, how much they embraced my family. And it's like a family culture around here. So, I appreciate it very much. I'm very thankful. Um, But, you know, my teammates, I love them. Uh, I love this organization. I'm glad to be a part of this organization. When you you get to be a free agent, you don't actually, you know, have a chance to know where you're going to go. But I do have a great relationship with Jim. Uh, We're upfront and honest with each other the whole time. And I'm very appreciative uh, for him allowing me to come back and bring me back as well. Hey, Adam Spillane and
1: back to Chandler. Hey, Michael. Have they uh, kind of expressed to you what they want your role to be?
5: No, we haven't really got that far into detail yet. Uh, I I talked to my coaching staff. I talked to Dusty a a couple days ago as well. Um, But I'm sure it'd be pretty similar to what I've I've done in the past. And uh, I just look forward to being out there with my teammates, contributing, and uh, and just enjoying the atmosphere that, you know, my teammates bring each and every day. Uh, They get the best out of me, and I try to get the best out of them. So I have a phenomenal team. And it's going to be a fun season again this year.
6: Michael, you had the same surgery in 2016. Can you kind of compare where you are at at this point, that this time out of the surgery as to where you were last time and kind of how you feel in comparison?
5: I can't. I mean, it's too long ago, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, We're looking, you know, almost six years ago. So, But at the same time, I just know how I feel right now. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I'm anxious to start swinging the bat and get back out there with my teammates. So I'm really happy where I am physically. Hey, Mark Berman.
4: Michael, was it your intent with hopes when you went into free agency that you end up right back here?
5: Yeah, hundred um, when you have a family atmosphere like we do, and we have such great teammates in uh, an organization, like I said before that you know, brought me in with open arms and made me feel comfortable right I like I'm very appreciative of it. So anytime I had that opportunity, uh, you know working through this process, you know, I always got excited, you know anytime that you know there was a chance that I knew I could come back and be a Houston Astro again. Okay, back to Chandler.
6: Michael Dusty has said this winter that that they want to get Yordán out in left field, uh, maybe a little bit more than we've seen normally. Uh, I know in the past, DHing hasn't been your favorite thing, but would you be more amenable to DHing a little bit more uh, if they do want to get Yordán out in left field a little bit more?
5: Of course, uh, I'm a team player. Team comes first always. Uh, I just look forward to contributing in a positive way each and every day any chance that I get. So if that's what they want to do, I'm all, I'm all for it. If he needs a day and I can go out there on left field, I'll be ready to do that as well. Uh, I think we do a great job of, you know, communicating uh, how everybody's doing and giving everybody – trying to keep everybody fresh in the process. So uh, whatever they need me to do.
4: Michael, you, I guess you kind of touched on it, but with the, what they've added this off-season with you coming back and what's already here, what do you think about the chance of this team running back, getting back to the World Series next season?
5: I mean that's the goal, right? I mean every time you step into spring training with this team, uh, we know we have high expectations for for ourselves, and you know everybody around us has high high expectations as the fan base, and uh, they deserve it. Uh, we had a good run so far, but you got a lot of guys in that locker room that work hard and compete every single day at a very very high level, and uh, we're never complacent in that locker room. We're going to go out there and give it our best effort, and we are, I have a great group of you know teammates that push me every day, like I talked about before. Uh, We know what's at at stake, and uh, we look forward to doing it as a team, as a unit, and going back out there and getting back to the World Series and hopefully winning another title.
4: What kind of response did you get from your teammates when they got the words you are coming back?
5: I got all positive responses, you know, some gifts uh, in the the group chat, uh, some jokes, of course. But, uh, you know, it's just always good. Uh, It's like a big brotherhood. Uh, So when you get to have that opportunity to say that I'm coming back and, you know, get all these positive texts and, you know, get to talk to your teammates again, and knowing that you're going to put it on an Astros uniform again, uh, it's very exciting.
6: And we'll be back right after this break.
7: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best
2: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
3: The Cactus Jack HBCU Classic is set to make its debut at Minute Maid Park February 17th through the 19th. Learn more about the Classic and find your tickets for the inaugural tournament today At Astros.com slash HBCU Classic. And welcome back to AstroLine Rewind is brought to you by Pluckers Wing Bar. One of my highlights this season, Robert, for me anyway, and not many people talk about how crazy that was in Arlington when when the Astros had not one but two immaculate innings in one game. Certainly something that's never been done. And then as we kept digging further and further, Robert, it just got crazier and crazier the way we looked at those two innings.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that I remember that game really well. It was a day game in Arlington, and Luis Garcia started, and, you know, I mean, he was just rolling. Yeah, second inning, you know, the immaculate inning against Nathaniel Lowe, Ezekiel Duran, and, and Brad Miller. And, I mean, that was cool. Six to one, Astros lead the Rangers bottom of the second. A bunt laid down by Nathaniel Lowe to start the inning, but it's foul up the third base side for strike one so the Rangers doing what they can just to get some traffic below walking back to home plate down a strike here's the 0-1 and that's hit foul over the screen nothing at two here's the 0-2 swing and a miss. got him on the cutter and that's the first strikeout for Luis Garcia one out in the home second and now it's Ezekiel Duran's turn the right handed hitting second baseman Duran hitting 325 in 10 games 341 on base percentage two homers five RBIs first pitch and the breaking ball is a strike on the outside corner. Second base, the uh, position Duran is more accustomed to. He's been playing third mostly since coming up to the Rangers because that's where their need is. But mostly a second baseman and shortstop in the minors. 0-1. Did he go around on the pitch down and away? He sure did, says Marvin Hudson at first. And as quickly 0-2 on Duran. Well, he will chase that slider. Yeah, we've seen that this series for sure. 0-2. Swing and a foul tip into the glove of Maldonado. It was another slider. And that's back-to-back strikeouts for Luis Garcia. Two away. What well, we've seen from Duran,
3: he doesn't recognize that pitch very well. and I think Luis Garcia might be his nightmare. That's his best pitch, and he throws a million of them.
0: So two out of nobody on for third baseman Brad Miller. DH the first two games. Three infielders in a triangle right side. First pitch. And that's line foul and out of play off to the left. Strike one. The 0-1. Bounce foul behind home. A portion of the barrel flies off as Miller will go to the dugout to get a new bat. 6-1 to one Astros, bottom of the second. Garcia with the 0-2. Did he go around? He sure did. Couldn't hold up on the cutter down and in. And Luis Garcia strikes out the side. It was part of what was a really good outing for Luis Garcia, it's like, okay, he's got an immaculate inning. And then uh, in the seventh inning, Phil Maton comes in and who who's due up? Nathaniel Lowe, Ezekiel, Duran, Brad Miller, and then Phil Maton throws an immaculate inning, not only two immaculate innings in the same game by the Astros, but against the same hitters. That's that. I mean, you know, you talk about probabilities and one in the million. I mean, this has to be like one in a billion. Right. And we,
3: Almost lost the, the, the fact that it was the same three guys. Remember that? That's I do. But we didn't really realize it was those same three guys until we were kind of just looking how it matched up in our scorebooks. Welcome back to Arlington. We're at Globe Life Field. That was Robert Ford on the fiddles.
0: <laughs>
3: Astros lead 7-2. to two. Phil Maton, the new pitcher now. First pitch to load The first baseman is swung on and missed. Maton out of the stretch. Set right at the belt. Here's the pitch. And he got it by him again. That one up and into low and it's nothing in two they've won seven out of ten coming into this one against texas this year mayton gets him upstairs strike three another heater up and into low and he couldn't lay off of it and there's one away so one out now for duran ezekiel duran pitch is a strike there's one out nobody on the astros up seven to two the pitch he is fouled away no balls and two strikes mayton's just pumping strikes is strike three called. Got that one to the outside corner. Durant goes down on strikes,
0: and there's two away. Six pitches from Phil Maton, all of them strikes, and all of them fastballs. Hasn't thrown a breaking ball yet. That's immaculate. Here's Brad
3: Miller. He's 0 for 2. Three infielders on the right. Swing and a miss. Has there ever been two? In one game? In one game. I'm not aware of any. So Luis Garcia did it in the second and it was in the same pocket of this batting order. Exact same. That's right. Full disclosure, some of the fans out there, we've done spring training games. We've had really close instances where somebody's almost had an immaculate inning where we're kind of caught up in our conversation sometimes, and we don't realize what's going on. So to have somebody tap us on the shoulder and just go, hey, man, this is going to be crazy if this happens again. And we saw it. I think we were five or six pitches into that inning, the second one, when Maton did it. Here's the 0-1 to Miller. The pitch is swung on and missed. One strike away from another immaculate inning. There's been 107 immaculate innings in Major League history. And the Astros right here have a chance to get two in one game. Maton's pitch, got him upstairs, strike three. Double your pleasure, immaculate for everybody. Luis Garcia did it in the second, and Mayton does it in the seventh to Lowe, Duran, and Miller, the same three hitters at Globe Life Field in Arlington. The Astros lead it seven to two. Uh, and, and to see that big smile of Mayton, who's somebody who's so stoic, was icing on the cake. But that was one of the low key biggest regular season moments. I think we've really
0: encountered for sure. And also too, I think about our first year doing this together in 2013, Garrett Richards was with the angels and he threw an immaculate inning against the Astros and neither one of us noticed. (laughs) I, I think it was the next, like after the game, I saw something, I read and I was like, wait a second. And I think I came to the ballpark the next day. I was like, Hey, do you realize Garrett Richards threw an immaculate inning yesterday? Like Both of us missed it. And from that point forward, I was kind of like, okay, I need to make sure yeah. I'm on top of these things. Now, with all the tools that we have with, uh, you know, the stuff from MLB.com and the game day and all that, that makes it a lot easier because if you're not sure, you can just kind of scroll back and be like, all right, this was a three-pitch strikeout. This was a three-pitch strikeout. Okay, we, you know, you kind of have an idea, so that makes it a little easier. But, yeah, that's always stuck with me that first year when Garrett Richards threw an immaculate inning and we didn't even realize it. So I've, I've paid a lot closer attention to those things since uh, because of that.
3: And that'll never happen again. I mean, you say never say never, but <laughs> we can guarantee that'll never happen again. So <laughs> yeah. uh, it was fun to be a part of it. So Astroline Rewind is brought to you by Pluckers Wing Bar. The Cactus Jack HBCU Classic is set to make its debut at Minute Park February 17th through the 19th. Learn more about the classic and find your tickets for the inaugural tournament today at astros.com slash
1: hbcu classic. Spring training is back in the Palm Beaches this spring. Experience Astros baseball, plus the best beaches, dining, and entertainment after the game. There's nothing better than Astros spring ball in sunny Florida. For tickets and more, visit astros.com slash spring to book your trip. Plan your visit now to the spring training home of the Houston Astros, the Palm Beaches. Your Houston Astros are World Series champions.
7: The Houston Astros do it again. 2022 World
2: Series champions.
7: And
4: now they look to end the 2023 season the same way. Become an Astros season ticket holder now to catch all the action as the Astros go for the repeat. Get access to every game, including opening day and postseason. And it's
7: madness in our house again!
4: Plus, enjoy exclusive benefits only offered to season ticket holders. Witness the golden era of Astros baseball. Visit Astros.com slash season tickets today. The
0: 23rd Annual Shriners Children's College Classic returns to Minute Bay Park March 3rd through 5th. See some of the top collegiate programs in the country. Take the field for a three-day tournament. Learn more at Astros.com slash college classic. And welcome back to Astroline presented by Pluckers as Robert Ford and Steve Sparks joined by David Hensley. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us, David.
8: I appreciate you guys
0: having me. This is your your first offseason as a big leaguer, your f- first offseason as a World Series champion. What, what what have you been up to and what has this offseason been like for you?
8: It's been fun, man. I've uh, been trying to soak it in over these last couple mo- or couple weeks the end of the season was so fast and so surreal for me that it's been awesome just to sit back and take it all in enjoy Houston a little bit and get back to the grind of baseball.
0: What's the coolest thing that you've gotten to do uh, since the Astros won the World Series?
8: You know, it was pretty exciting being a part of the parade. Uh, there was way, way more people than I ever expected to see. And just to see the support from the city and the impact that we had, um, so many people in so many lives, it was it's pretty awesome, man.
3: David, going back to last year, can you remember what you were doing right about this time? Were you in the, (laughs) when you were in Winter League in Puerto Rico,
8: weren't you? Yeah, Uh, just about to finish up down there. I spent a couple weeks down there, continuing to play after the season, trying to get some more at-bats, stay in the groove of things, and grinding away. And what were you thinking?
3: I mean, at that time of your career, and you're starting to sniff AAA and doing some things and getting closer, and closer, but I mean, how far could you allow your mind to go to to realize what you were able to do this year?
8: You know, I didn't have any uh, I didn't have any huge ideas of what this year was going to be like. I knew I was set up to start playing in AAA this year. Never knew that it was guaranteed off the jump, and so my expectations were to wherever I started, just to play as well as I could and hopefully last the whole season, which I have done uh, at every level. It's been a one year a jump every level. To start off in AAA this year and ultimately have success to the point of getting up to the big leagues is more than I ever envisioned, to be honest. And I'm just happy that it happened.
0: Yeah. So you got to the big leagues. August was when your contract was selected, but you didn't play in your first big league game until August 27th. So you were up for a week um, before you, you got into a game. What was that week like for you? Were you, were you antsy? Were you were you calm? What 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 were your emotions and what were your feelings going through that that first week in the big leagues before you played a game?
8: Uh I wouldn't call it antsy, but then again, I wouldn't call it calm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was exciting for me. I mean, that's a dream come true to get that phone call, not expecting it on a Saturday morning, uh, get flown out that same day all the way to Atlanta, and then to ultimately sit there on the bench for the next week. It was kind of uh, kind of hard to process. You know, I. Uh, I didn't know exactly where i fit in on the team i didn't know my role and so it took me a little while to understand that there's a way that these guys are going about it and i needed to find a way to ultimately end up finding a way to get into the lineup and took advantage of my opportunities man and it turned out to be pretty uh pretty exciting for me for the rest of the year i uh I had a good time for sure
0: that first week where and the the really the, the first you know couple of weeks or so you were in the big leagues was was there anyone in particular uh, that you you kind of you kind of took after or we're, you know, because I've heard from, from rookies when they first get to the big leagues, they're like, All right, I'm just going to watch what that guy does and do whatever he does. So that way I'm always where I'm supposed to be. Was there anybody like that for you?
8: I mean, all the guys are awesome. The clubhouse environment that I walked into was very professional and very, uh, there was a high standard that you could tell was there when you walked in. And uh, it didn't take me long to understand that there's a way that these guys go about things and they'll pretty much follow suit. Everybody led by example. We got guys like Verlander, Altuve, Bregman big name guys and everybody's looking at each other the same in there. And when I walked in, that made it real comfortable for me to be able to be myself and ultimately figure out my own routine of how I needed to go about things. Um, the guys in the the batting cage, Troy and Jason, are, they were also very helpful for me. Joe Espada gave me opportunities to start working early and ultimately all the guys, Dusty, let me know that it was time for me to be there and I felt good about it. And so I was comfortable being there and, tried to get better each and every day. Learn from these guys and how they go about it, and ultimately figure out how I needed to go about it.
3: David, you mentioned and Dusty, and while the lockout was going on, you guys uh, were down in the minor leagues and you were playing the inner squad games and all that stuff. And there was certain eyes on you at the time. And I was down there, so I was sitting next to Dusty and Gary Pettis and Jeff Bagwell. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Joe Espada. A lot of these guys and I'm sure you have an idea about it, but they came away from those games really impressed with you in particular about the way you were kind of going about your business, the way you uh, used uh, the whole field and all that. Were you aware at that time that those guys were around, that you had a chance to make an impression on them?
8: I actually uh, ran into Dusty one time during spring training. That was the first time I'd ever met him. Uh, Just ran around his golf cart and, he kind of just gave me a look and let me know that he was kind of watching what I was doing. Yeah. From that moment forward, I was like, okay, maybe this is something that could actually happen. You know, uh, these guys are taking notice and taking interest. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately when I got called up to major league spring training, that was, that was surreal for me. Right. So I, I came in that was the first time I got to meet all the guys in the locker room and went out and had some success in the major league games. uh, Early got some at bats and got some knocks and, yeah. Got to got to make my presence known in front of these guys. And when I, when I left spring training, I talked to Dusty and I talked to James. Uh, and they let me know that they were impressed with what I was doing. And ultimately, if I kept things going the way that I was, that I was going to have a good opportunity to, to make it up there this year. And so going into AAA that year, that season starting with that, I mean, there's no better feeling for myself knowing that if I just play my game and do well, that these guys are watching. It took the pressure off a little bit didn't have to stress so much that kind of unknown feeling that you have going through the minor leagues where
6: mm-hmm.
8: you don't really know where you stand or how they think about you, but to know that they were, they were watching. And then they had an idea of what I could do on the baseball field. It made it really comfortable for me to play this year. Uh, gave me an opportunity to go out there and to do what I do. And ultimately ended up having a good year and it worked out.
6: And we'll be back right after this break.
7: Hit the holidays out of the park and give the gift of your World Series champion, Houston Astros. Find all of the best Astros gifts and stocking stuffers, including gear and a one-of-a-kind experience for every fan at astros.com
3: slash gift guide. And hey, welcome back to AstroLine. It's kind of different. Sometimes when you're in the lower levels, you feel like nobody knows who you are. But once you did get a little bit of affirmation... You know, It kind of gives you that extra kick. What about the preparation? I want you to be specific on what you noticed guys were doing maybe in spring training with their routines or how they prepared that was different from what you were already doing.
8: You're talking on the major league side? Yeah. It's very specific. You know, everybody up in the major leagues, they, they understand themselves as baseball players. So they know it well, and they know ultimately what they don't do well. Mm-hmm. What I noticed uh, in routines was – Guys would go in and they would repeat the same thing each and every day. And they would focus on trying to make themselves better or the best at what they knew that they could do very well, whether that was offensively or defensively. If we're talking offensively, yeah, the cage routines are huge. So guys would go in there and I'd see them making movements, trying to get their body to work in a certain way because they knew that they could do it that way. And that was something that clicked for me two years ago, uh, going into my double A season. I, uh, I found a swing that I felt was working for me and I started trying to repeat it consistently just each and every day, um, uh, going through the routine and being consistent with the routine. And once I saw that and the success I had with that, and ultimately what these guys were doing, it kind of clicked for me that, Hey, this is this is kind of how you need to go about it. Um, I think that the consistency in the routine is huge nowadays and yeah having such a long season and having so many games with so many outside factors, seeing a new pitcher every day that that consistency in your routine is going to always give you a base to start from. And I think that gives a lot of guys success up there for sure. You know, when you talk about that routine, David, uh, you were always used to
0: in the minor leagues playing every day, obviously you get to the big leagues. It's, it's a lot different. You uh, said you weren't, you weren't playing every day. So did that, how did that
8: affect your routine or, or did it affect your routine at all? It was an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Like you said, over the last five seasons I've played almost every day, I feel like. And so coming in and sitting ultimately getting one or two at bats and then sitting for another couple of days and getting one or two at bats and then maybe getting a start is it's different for sure. Um, the preparation was the biggest thing. So we were talking about routines, uh, show up every day and you get your routine in the same way whether you're playing or not you're going to have a good idea of where you're at with the bat each and every day and so um when i when i when i got to the big leagues and i started trying to figure out what i needed to do every day there was a there was communication between me and uh Jason Kinsler, Troy Snicker, and we would we came up with a plan to try and stay as game ready as as we could. Um, taking simulated at bats after batting practice, you know, getting there for early hitting routine and seeing velocity off the machine or seeing breaking balls off the machine and ultimately developing my my routine into a bigger routine to try to make up for the missed game times. And repeating that each and every day. And then when I got back in there to play, it was like, I didn't skip a beat, you know, as much as, as much as you can. I mean, seeing, being in the game and playing against live pitching is a whole lot different than practicing off a machine. But if you can get as close as possible and start trying to repeat and get repetitions on higher, higher intense stuff, then ultimately I felt like it was giving me a good opportunity to compete when we were, uh, and we were in there in the box in the game. You know, you, you talk about that routine and
0: the importance of having that routine, uh, even though you weren't playing every day. I mean, I think back to the postseason. Yeah. You know, you got into a couple of games in the division series. You had the the hit by pitch, which helped lead to Jordan Alvarez's walk off home run in game one of the division series against Seattle. And uh, you want a pinch hitting in the second game of that division series. But then you didn't play in the ALCS World Series comes around. Uh, you get the start in Game Three of the World Series uh, in Philadelphia, uh, which was quite the atmosphere, particularly for Game Three. And you got a base hit in your first at bat, and you at that point you hadn't played in in what two two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, what I mean, what was that that period like for you? And then how did you find out that you know that you were going to be playing? Uh, in, in game three, not just playing, but starting yeah. in, in the World Series.
8: I mean, like I said, going back to what we were talking about with the routine, taking each day, whether I was playing or not, the same, uh, just another baseball game. Obviously, the atmosphere is a little bit different in the playoffs. It's a little bit more uh, tension building, you know? But it's just another baseball game. That's the way I look at it. And so getting prepared the same way each and every day, being ready. I uh, When I made the playoff roster – uh, for the first series, I was unsure whether or not I'd be on the playoff roster for the second series. And so we didn't find out until the day of um, for the CS. And so when I was on that roster, or I I had a conversation with Dusty, and he called me in and he let me know. Uh, he wants me there. He wants me to be prepared to hit anytime that I'm going to be I needed to read. He told me I needed to read the game. He wanted me to read the game and start understanding when and where I saw opportunities that maybe I would possibly get an opportunity to bet. And so throughout each game, uh, when we were at home and when we were in New York, um, I would take time during the game and go up to the batting cage and start getting some swings and try to get hot and try to get ready just to be ready in case and, Ultimately, my name never got called in the CS, like you said. But when I, I was ready, I felt prepared. And when I made the World Series roster, he had the same uh, conversation with me. He told me just to be ready, and that I was going to get an opportunity to play at some point soon. And so, obviously, as a young kid, you got some you got some anticipation there, some jitters there, where it's the <laughs> World Series. Excuse me, it's the World <laughs> Series, and uh. Apologize. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a dream come true for me. I'm ecstatic to be able to play in an opportunity like that. And so I, I took a, I took a moment to myself in those first two games and kind of understood what was happening with uh, with our lineup and saw that I was going to get an opportunity to play sometime soon. And so all that preparation that I had coming through the CS and coming through the playoffs and staying staying prepared on that routine i felt comfortable when i got in there for my first step back i didn't i've always been told that if you're prepared that you won't be nervous and so somebody asked me after game three when i got my hit somebody called me from back home and was like were you nervous and i honestly told them no i wasn't nervous i uh i felt prepared and I think that understanding of knowing that I fit in and knowing that I could do it, uh, knowing that it was just another game. Like I said, um, ultimately gave me the opportunity to be comfortable that I bet, get a knock and try to do what I could to help the team win and found a couple more at bats throughout the series and ultimately ended up winning the world series. Glad to be a part of it.
3: Yeah. That's amazing, David, to feel, to feel as calm as you did in those situations. And I don't even know if my next question is going to register with you because I've been asked, you know, which series did it seem like the visiting crowd was the most rowdy, whether it be Seattle, New York, or Philadelphia. In my eyes, it may have been Seattle. You know, I think New York was was kind of down.
8: Yes. New York was down. New York's out of there. Yeah. uh, But it's Seattle or Philly. Between the two of them, I mean – Seattle had a lot of energy because they were fighting for something. It had been
3: 20-some years before, since they have been in the playoffs too, right?
8: Yeah, that place – when we came in that first game in Seattle and it was sold out, I mean, they had fireworks. They had smoke all over the place. They had a flyover. It, it was so loud in there that it was almost like you were shaking. These guys were – they were fired up. And for 18 innings, that 18-inning game we played, I don't think the stadium sat down – not one time they were going, they were rocking. Yeah. To so start it off in the playoffs with something like that for my first playoff experience, I was sitting. I was when it got time to be in Philadelphia, that place was rocking too. Don't get me wrong. When they beat us and uh, they felt like they had some momentum, it was it was rocking in there. And I mean that's what you live for as a player. That's what you live for as a sports fan to see something like that where. No question. Everywhere where you go in the city, everybody's rooting for the same thing. And to be the opponent to that, I mean, it's a different feeling. It's like kind of, kind of fires me up as a player to be able to be, to feel that type of energy. I can't, I can't call it between Seattle or Philadelphia, but both of those atmospheres, it was was definitely exciting to be a part of.
3: It was great. So, uh, I know you're tight with Jeremy Pena and, yeah. and it's well-documented and everybody knows how much he rose to the occasion in the postseason. but uh, you had to be super proud of him. But have you guys had a chance just to kind of just go, man, can you believe we did that?
8: Yeah. I mean, I, I met Jeremy when we were younger. Uh, we played in Quad Cities, uh, Davenport, when we were younger. And I knew, I knew Jeremy was special back then. You could just tell. And I got the chance to play with him again in high A in Fayetteville. And when I saw him start to make that jump into who he is today, I, could, I knew that he was going to be, he's going to be a big league shortstop for a long time. Um, missed him over the last couple of years. Uh, he was kind of injured, kind of moved up a little bit faster than I did, but I knew when he got the opportunity, he was going to be ready. He can, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year he came back for a little stretch and he went ballistic. Like, He put up the best month of numbers I think I've ever seen anybody put up. And that just showed me right there, his determination to come back off his injury, come back ready to play and actually show that he can play. It was incredible. And so, yeah, like you said, I'm very, very proud of him. He, uh, he's come a long way and it's been fun to watch to be, I mean, he played shortstop and I played third base for a few seasons and just to be able to have that, that relationship with him and see, ultimately be the MVP of the world series. Crazy. It's crazy, man. I'm so happy for him.
0: You mentioned when you guys were first together in quad cities, how, you know, you, you, you could tell he was special. What was it that you saw, you know, back then, uh, in, in low eight ball that, that kind of stood out to you about, about Jeremy Pena?
8: I mean, Jeremy's a freak athlete. Uh, if just looking at him, you could tell he's, he's a different type of athlete. Um, he's a little bit smaller than he was now he he put on some weight he got stronger but he's always had that that like superior athleticism he he moves well and you could just tell he was he was a different type of athlete and the fluidity of his defense and the speed and the heart that he played with the hustle that he had he's always played the game very hard and it's it's inspiring to see like We talk about having that dog in you. Like people people say you got the dog in you. Jeremy's had the dog in him for a long time. It's kinda he's kinda he's kinda given me some incentive about how how to go about each day without trying. I, I see the way that he works and I see the way that he goes about being who he is each and every day. And it's inspiring to see how how fast he's gravitated into the player that he is now. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's pretty cool and and pretty neat that, that you were able to spot it uh, a pretty, pretty early on. Uh, You know, you mentioned uh, Jason Kanzler uh, being up at the, at the big league level as, as one of the the hitting coaches, when you got to the big leagues, how much did it help to have, you know, someone like Jason Kanzler familiar face from the minor leagues as part of that, as part of that transition, in addition to somebody like Jeremy Pena who you played with and some other guys you played with.
8: I mean, it, it definitely helped for sure. Like I said, the first time I met any of the guys in the big league clubhouse was just this past uh, February, March. Mm -hmm. I only spent um, two weeks with them. Didn't really, didn't really have too much time to get to know each other. Um, And then ultimately walking into the clubhouse in August, when I got called up, I was, I was uh, a little intimidated, you know, walking in, I'm an older cat. I'm 26. And so I, uh, Walking in for the first time in the Major League Clubhouse, looking at these other grown men in their eyes and ultimately trying to come and take somebody's spot, I guess. Uh it's intimidating. It's you never know where you're gonna fit in. Obviously you've been looking up to these guys for years since I was a little kid. I've been watching Ferdlander and Altuve play and to walk in and be on that same same lineup with them, it's it was different. But like like we talked about earlier, they made it the the, the atmosphere in the clubhouse is So respectful and so appreciated by everybody that's there that once I understood that these guys were just normal guys, just like me, uh, it made it real easy to walk in every day and be myself like we had talked about. And so I can't give them enough credit for that because it made, it made somebody like me very comfortable walking in into a very intimidating environment.
3: David, this is the last question from me. Um, You're six, seven and to look at you, maybe on TV, people wouldn't realize that. The way you move, you know, the the way you move and play different positions, even second base. Yeah, you wouldn't realize that you were as tall as you are. Did you have a late growth spurt? Were you kind of smaller and you and you picked up all those little skills, those nuanced
8: things, or, or were you kind of tall and you just had to figure it out? I've always been tall. I uh, I think I grew like four inches when I was in ninth grade, and so I was a tall, skinny kid. But I always played shortstop growing up. I always played center field growing up. And when I got to college, I had I'd been playing third base a lot um, before I got to college. And so when I got to college, my coach knew he uh he I went to school in San Diego where I grew up, so they knew who I was. They knew they had an idea of where I'd been playing and stuff like that. And ultimately, when I got to college, I was a walk off late late sign. Kind of went through the draft at a high school, had some opportunities, but didn't have a scholarship offer. Ultimately, ended up reaching out to our school in our home city and let him know that I do whatever it takes to come play. And so he was like, yeah, you can come walk on. We know you're, we know you're good enough to play. Ty France was playing third base at the time. Um, Didn't really have a spot to play. And so they ended up putting me out in left field, Uh, ended up playing as a freshman, as a walk on in left field. First time I ever played left field, did all right. Uh, Came back my next year and took the job in center field, Played center field for my whole sophomore season. And then ultimately my junior year got moved over to right field and was a three-year starter in the outfield, uh, would bounce in and out from the infield, but never really played too much in the infield because we had older guys that were, they're already solidified at their positions there. And I actually came back as a right fielder, my junior or my senior year, didn't get drafted my junior year, came back as a right fielder, my, uh, senior year and two weeks before the season started uh, a freshman that was playing shortstop um, either got injured or had something happen to where my coach came up to me and he said, you're going to play shortstop the 56 games this year. I need you to figure it out. And that confidence that he had in me right there made me understand that I could definitely still play the infield at a high level. And so I ended up playing there, got drafted by the Astros as a shortstop. Um, came in and played shortstop my first year, got moved around to third, second. The Astros do a very good job at developing infielders, giving them opportunities to play all four positions and ultimately I played all four positions coming up. Um stuck in the infield and I've been doing that. They uh people have told me coming up, some of my coaches in the Astros org have told me to stick to one. They thought that it would be better for me to get an opportunity to play in the big leagues just because of my body style and uh, being so tall and so lanky. You don't really see utility players that are mm-hmm. six, 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 seven that play second base. Like you said, it's out of the ordinary, right? It made sense to me, but I always, I always bit down and I always stuck to being able to play all four positions. I told them I can do that. Like there's no reason that I need to limit myself.
3: Do the Astros know that you played all those outfield positions in college?
8: I think they do. There's an understanding. I uh, I try to explain it to them all the time. Let me get some opportunities in the outfield. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think there's some plans to start getting some opportunities in the outfield coming. We'll Thank see where nine. that goes. Um, yeah, man, just sticking to it. And I always knew I could play infield. I've played so much baseball in my life that at so many different positions that it's been it's fun for me to go out there and play different positions because it's always challenging, you know? There's always incentive to try to be better today than I was yesterday. And I think I think playing all four positions in the infield and maybe some outfield there's some incentive to try to try to get better at each position every single day and it's been working out for me, so I'm I'm trying to stick to it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Certainly has been working out for you. Ever, I wonder what ever happened to Ty France, by the way. <laughs> That's not a, gap, not a bad guy to be blocked by from playing third base in college, by the way.
8: No. <laughs> playoffs, that was pretty fun. I haven't talked to him in a few years. We uh, we talk every now and again, but to actually be on the ball field with him, after he's had so much success and go in there and have some success myself and actually get to hang out with him again on the ball field, that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Well, David Hensley, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Uh, continued success. Enjoy uh, what's left of your off season, and we're really looking forward to, to seeing what you can do in, in 2023. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on.
6: Tis the season for spreading good cheer and for celebrating with your favorite Astros fans. Grab your list and check it twice when shopping at the team store in Union Station. Pick up official World Series Astros jerseys, hats, T-shirts for both mom and dad. Don't forget grandpa, nieces, nephews, or anyone else on your nice list. Visit Astros.com slash store for store hours and
4: information. Your Houston Astros are World Series champions. The Houston Astros do
2: it again. 2022 World Series champion.
4: And now they look to end the 2023 season the same way. Become an Astros season ticket holder now to catch all the action as the Astros go for the repeat. Get access to every game, including opening day and postseason. And it's
7: madness in our house again.
4: Plus, enjoy exclusive benefits only offered to season ticket holders. Witness the golden era of Astros baseball. Visit astros.com slash season tickets today.
0: Celebrate the spectacular season with a world champion's commemorative brick. Customize your own brick to be placed outside of Minute Maid Park. Leave your legacy at the ballpark today and visit astros.com slash bricks. Welcome back to Astro presented by Plucker's Wing Bar. Hey, don't forget, our next AstroLine is going to be on January the 6th. So this is our last Astro Line of 2022. Uh, so glad you could join us. And uh Steve, you're looking forward to to the holidays, to, to Christmas and New Year's? Have any big plans?
3: Well, the plans are that we'll have the family together. and My oldest daughter is going to have a baby in February. So uh, 2022 will be my last year not being a grandpa. So <laughs> I, I'm anxious for what's to come. Uh, the baby's due on, on Valentine's Day, just in about two and a half months. But uh, just to have all my kids together
0: and uh, to be able to spend those times together with family. Of course, Robert, you know it's. That's the best part. Absolutely, and I'll spend some time uh, with my daughter on Christmas Day, looking forward to that. And uh, So you're going to be a grandfather. What do you want your grandkids to call you?
3: Well, I've gotten a lot of flack for years, and you know this, and I know you're setting me up, but I've had a lot of flack on the name that I wanted forever, and everybody's pushing back. So I think I'm going to have to change it. So I'm open to suggestions, but I always wanted Govna, (laughs) because <laughs> I always thought of a little girl or a little boy tipping their cap and say "Good evening, Gavna," <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, as usual, Sparky loses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll come up with something. I'm sure they will. Uh, they always do. Probably something we didn't even think about.
3: It might be Sparky, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so everybody else calls you. So why not? Yeah. Well, i would like to thank everybody who made this show possible i uh, like to thank our uh, producer-engineer, Matt Bolts, Also, our studio producers, uh, Josh C. and Joe George. also like to thank David Hensley for joining us as well. Next, Astraline will be in 2023 on January 6th. Certainly hope you can join us for that. For Steve Sparks and producer-engineer Matt Bolts, I'm Robert Ford saying so long. This has been Astraline presented by Pluckers Wing Bar. Huddle up.
2: Players, please. Huddle up. Huddle up. The world You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 AstroLine, the official off-season show of Astros baseball. It's time to get soaked! time to get wet! Brought to you by Pluckers Wing Bar. If you don't like their wings, they'll give you the bird. Astros are world champions, and here we go! Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline on Sports Talk 790, home of the Straws. Back to you. <laughs>